So, you know, when we think about the church, we think about the perfect bride of Christ. But truth be, truth be told, we're all broken. We're all in need of love. We're all in need of acceptance. We're all in need of forgiveness. I want to pray over the message because I really want to pray over the message. <laughs> Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you anoint your word. Anoint your word this morning, Father. Father, let it bring hope, bring it, bring it, bring life, make it bring truth, correction, instruction, and help us to see the ways that are right. Help us to position ourselves in a place, Father, where we will honor your name by submitting our will unto yours. We ask that you touch every heart here, Father. We are all in need of a Savior. We are all in need of a doctor. For you come to seek and save that which was lost, and that is us. And help us to be okay with that, Lord, in Jesus' name. And all God's children said, I'm just going to go ahead and put this up right here right now. So, This is a safe place. You know, this is a safe place, and this needs to always be a safe place. This church, this body, this group of believers... You know, James said in uh, James chapter 5 to confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you might be healed. I had a great time last night with some friends went to dinner with after we had our podcast. By the way, we launched our podcast last night. The second show, Janet Breeding was back there and shared some of her testimony and, and something about the food bank, the food pantry. By the way, we do serve over 20 families every week that they serve out of that little, that little bit of food back there. So it's it is good ground, good soil if you're looking for a place to sow. But we launched our podcast. She shared her testimony. And then afterwards, I went to dinner and with some friends and began to share some things that were on our heart and even shared some of my concerns, not only in things that are going on around me, but some things within myself. And I had a brother share some things that was in his self. And God just really opened up his heart and softened a spot in his heart last night that he wanted to share with us. And one of the, one of the things I want to talk about today is 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to that. That's 13. It comes right after 12. If you go to 14, just back up one page. You know, as Christians, we so much want to get it right. We want our walk to be right. We want to be holy before the Lord. We want to be perfect. That's our desire. As a matter of fact, Paul said in Romans that it's the desire of the inward man that groans for this place of perfection in Christ. But truth be told, we don't walk in that right now. <laughs> matter of fact, in 1 John 3, John said, it says, it does not yet appear what we shall be, but when he comes, that is Christ, when he returns, then this, this corrupt body would put on incorruption and we would be like him then. But now we're stuck in this stinky, sticky now. And it takes, it takes intentional pursuit and submission to God and the Holy Spirit to be able to walk in the love of God, which we're going to talk about today. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1, it says this. It says, though I speak with the tongue of men and angels, he says, then I have not love. Your Bibles might say charity. He said, I become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and I can understand all mysteries and all knowledge, 
And though I have all the faith where I can say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea, and I don't have love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to the poor, and I give my body to be a burnt sacrifice, and I don't have love, it profits me nothing. Charity (laughs) suffers long. Love suffers long. I think about the love of Christ in me and how patient He is with me and how impatient I am with others. And God convicts me through the Holy Spirit. And this is the thing that's been weighing upon my heart these past few days. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love doesn't value itself above the other. Love is not puffed up. Got the NIV up there. We'll pray for you. It does not behave. I'm sorry. (laughs) It does not behave itself unseemly. Love does not seek its own. Love is not easily provoked. Love thinks no evil. Love rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. He hopes all things and endures all things. Is that me? Is that you? We want it to be. We desire in the inward part to be that person. But unfortunately, it's not us all the time. It says, love never fails. Whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. But we know in part and we prophesy in part. But that which is perfect, when, but when that which is perfect has come, that which is in part shall be done away with. Now abideth love, hope, and charity. These three, but the greatest of these is love. I've been working with some pretty rough people here the past few weeks. And when I sing that song, I Need You More, being there and being here now reminds me Reminds me of the pit that God brought me out of. I recognize the depravity that I walked in before I came to Christ. And I think I think it would do us all justice if we would just take a moment and remember that day when God delivered us from where we were and placed us to where we are now. And when I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking about the publican and the Pharisee that went into the temple to pray. And the, and the publican didn't even look up because he didn't feel worthy to look at a holy God. But that self-righteous Pharisee that we can be sometimes, oh, he lifted up his head. He said, I'm glad I'm not like him. And I found myself in the past few weeks looking at some of these people that are in 
deep, dark depravity right now and almost getting prideful, but God is humbling me. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I'm glad I'm not like that anymore. I see the addictions and, and the lostness and the brokenness and the darkness and the despair in their lives and their hopelessness without Christ. It grieves my heart. But I ask God continually. He said, I think about when Joseph told them to take up the stones of remembrance when they crossed Jordan. He said, take this up as a memorial to remember where Christ has brought you from. And I think we all need to stop and remember from time to time where God has brought us from. And that would allow us to have the compassion we have to reach back into the community that don't know of God, been hurt by church folks that are self-righteous or themselves, or they shrink back because of their own addiction and they're judged when they walk through the church doors. We don't do that intentionally, but our flesh. See, it's our flesh that judges others. And the Lord showed me one thing the other day. He said, so, you know, Don, he says, remember the woman at the well? He says, it's the ones that were wrapped in sin that accused the woman at the well. Because when they brought him before Jesus, they brought him before Jesus. Jesus stooped down and he started writing in the sand. Then he made, stood up and he said, you that are without sin. Now, these were the Pharisees and Sadducees, the religious folks, the self-righteous folks. Now, you that are without sin. Cast the first stone. It wasn't none of the folks that were deep and stepped in sin that brought her in. Love suffers long. So as I'm praying about this today and uh, really kind of mulling over how to put this sermon together, I came to the conclusion that I have no clue. <laughs> but I know God is faithful, and if I open up my mouth, he'll bring a message out of here that will bless not only me, him, but us. So as I begin to look at the the uh, the scripture on love, I was looking for me in there. <laughs> I find myself glimpses in there from time to time. I like to be that guy all the time. So I was I was preparing. I shared with a friend of mine this morning. I said, Don, you know, God said, get the beam out of your own eye. <laughs> you know we become Christians you know the first thing that attacks us say it Ed he didn't hear me pride we're getting it right we're, we're checking all the boxes we're, we're not doing the bad things we're doing the good things we're, we're, we're not doing the, the I don'ts and sometimes we get a little pharisaic in our walk and we begin to get wrapped up in sin. And it's unintentional because it's our nature. It's our nature to walk in the flesh. And that's what Paul said. He said, submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the enemy who will flee from you. You have to be have a submissive heart to the Lord. Submissive to the Spirit of God. 
Now think about David the prophet after he killed his sons. I was going to say father, but he wouldn't be his father. <laughs> when he had the adulterous affair and had, had her husband killed. When Nathan the prophet came and pointed out his sin. Over in Psalms 51. David said this. David prayed this to the Lord. You know, the scripture says that in. Uh, that judgment begins at the house of God. Take a minute and point to the house of God. You pointed at me, George. <laughs> Just get out of here. I think if we spend, if we spend half as much time judging and checking our own flesh, we won't have time to check and judge nobody else's. So this is this is written by a God that that had the very heart of God. That followed him in the wilderness, that that struck down the lion and the bear and took the head of Goliath. He was anointed as a teenager to be king over Israel, but didn't happen until he became older. And he was called the apple of God's eye. And yet his flesh took over. Pride came in and he had to have something that wasn't his. He took another man's wife. You know the story. But when Nathan the prophet, because he had hardened his heart, we talked about hardening hearts earlier, because he had hardened his heart because of the sin in his life, he was ashamed to hear God's voice that he separated himself to such an extent he could not hear the father telling him to repent or telling him that he was wrong. So God had to send Nathan the prophet to point his finger and tell him the parable of the one sheep. But when David realized and recognized his sin, it changed David. It broke David. And he wrote this psalm. In psalm 51, it says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitudes of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions and wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sins, for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and only thee have I sinned and done this evil thing in thy sight. That thou may be justified when you speak and be clear when you judge. Behold, I was shapened in iniquity and did sin, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desires truth in the inner parts. That's in your heart, not just the things that come out of your mouth. It's the things in the heart because it's out of the heart the things come out of your mouth. That's why Paul talked about, he says it's not that, or Jesus said, the things that go in the body doesn't defile the body. It's the things that come out of the body that defile the body. All the drinking in the world is not sin, but it's what comes out of your mouth that defile us. I'm not justifying drinking. Don't get me wrong on that. I'm not here to... What I'm saying is more than just the material things. It's more than the things that we consume in our body. It's the things that consume our hearts. He said, Behold, thou desire truth on the inner parts, and, and in the inner parts thou shalt make me to know wisdom. 
purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou, O Lord, has broke may rejoice. Our sin consumes us and it breaks us and it robs you of peace and it robs you of joy. If you're walking around in bitterness and brokenness and loneliness, there's a reason for it. God is withholding his joy so that you will desire it as a deer panteth for the water. You'll desire that presence with God again. And that only comes by way of repentance because the scripture says that thy sin has caused me to hide my faith from you. He says, make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broke away may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sin and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, nor take thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. I think about what Ezekiel said in Ezekiel 36, 26, when the restoration of Israel came back. And God said, he said, I will restore you. He said, I will sprinkle you with new wine. He says, and I'll put a new spirit with you. And you know, I'll take that heart of stone and I'll give you a heart of flesh. God is in the heart, in the job of heart transplanting people. To take the stoniness, the hardness of our heart and making it where we can receive and experience and give love again. Because when it's hard, you can't get nothing out of a stone. When we get hard-hearted, it all becomes about me. Me, me, me. But when you become a Christian, when you get born again, you get a new heart. A heart of flesh where it's so much love, it's all about everybody else. Big difference. He says, then I will teach transgressors thy ways and sinners, sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from the blood guiltiness. He was talking about the murder of, of his uh, his number one soldier, one of his number one guys. He says, O God, and the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praises. Listen, here's the key. For God desires not sacrifice, or else I would give it. For thou, Lord... Desires not burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. That will God not despise. Do good in thy doing. Good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Build down these things that have been broken down in his life. Then shall I be praised in the and with sacrifices of righteousness and with burnt offerings and the whole burnt offering. Then shall they offer bullocks upon thy altar. You can't offer up anything to God. Jesus said when you pray, if you have aught with your brother, first go and be restored to your brother, and then bring your sacrifices to the altar. God doesn't want this relationship until this one here is first mended. If there's people in your lives that have offended you or hurt you, forgive them. Matthew 18 talked about this when James asked Jesus, he said, how often should I forgive my brother that sins against me? He said, not seven times, but 70 times. Seven. And I always like to throw in per day. And then when somebody does something, I go, that's one. We've got to be quick to forgive. The number one person you need to forgive 
is yourself. I didn't ask to be born a sinner, but I am. I didn't ask to do a, for the life I got, but I did. I was tricked into making some of the choices. Most of them I did my own. But grace has to be applied in the house of God. Forgiveness has to be applied in the house of God. We have to allow him in to cleanse your temple. I think about what Jesus said when he said when the spirit goes out of a man, he walks around in dry places and looking for places to, to find. And he finds them and then he returns and finds the house empty and clean and put in order. But it's empty. But it's clean. But it's not been filled. You have to fill it with the presence of God. You got to allow no idols in your heart in that temple. David asked God, create in me a clean heart, Lord, and renew a right spirit within me because he recognized there was something he could not do himself. He needed something greater than himself to come in and change him. I can't be my savior. I can't be your savior. You can't be mine. But we can pray for one another. James chapter 5 says this, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another. That your sins might be forgiven and you would be healed. Be careful who you confess to though. <laughs> Find you somebody confident. Find a place to get real with people. Get real with each other. None of us here are perfect. There was one perfect one. They hung him on a cross. His name was Jesus. He died for my sins. He died for your sins. And he died for the sins of every person out there. Whether they believe it or not, whether they understand it or not, it's irrelevant. It's still done. Now, our job, not to change the world, not to correct the politics. We're not, we're not here to fix things. We have one mandate and one mission, one mission only. Jesus said it in John 16, 15. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And to everyone that believes and is baptized shall be saved, and those that don't shall be damned. The gospel is the good news, is the truth, that Jesus Christ came for sinners like me, sinners like you. And he came to give us new life in Christ. And it does not yet appear what we shall be, and I must remind you of this. But as long as you are led by the Spirit, in Romans 8, 1, it says, Therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Everybody wants to quote the first one. They won't go to the second verse. <laughs> Therefore, there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Don't judge me. For those who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Well, how do you do that? By submitting yourself to God. By confessing your sins. First John 1, 9. If. If. Everybody say if. No, that's not everybody. Everybody say if. If you confess your sins, there's not an if on his end. He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Now, everybody knows. Anybody take a shower, jump in, jump out? No, it takes a minute. It takes a minute to get in that water. Now, if you're jumping in, jumping out, that's not taking a shower. That's running through rain. There's a difference. But when you take a shower, you jump in there and you spend some time in your confession. Spend some time with the Lord. 
I talked to a friend this morning. He talked about, he asked God, God, what is my sin? When was the last time we asked that of the Lord? The Bible says we have not because we ask not. Well, Lord, I want a new car. Lord, I'd like to have a better house. Lord, I'd like to have a better job. Hey, who can I get a blessing, Lord? When's the last time somebody said, Lord, show me my secret sin? Show me the depths and depravity of my heart. I ask God that and I weep. I spend more time repenting now than I ever did before I got saved. I recognize how selfish and self-centered I am. And it's a constant observation of who we are in Christ Jesus. It takes a lot to get that beam out of my eye. I need help. You guys are my help. I can't be my hands. I poke myself in the eye. We need each other. I need you. You need me, believe it or not. You need me. God didn't say you had to like me. He said you had to love me. So there's you now. I'm a little weird, and that's okay. We're all a little weird. We all have faults. But we all. I'll say this again. You know, when the Bible says confess all your sins before the Lord, it's kind of like we all have faults. All of us. Everybody say all of us. I say I have faults. You know the difference between sin and son? Sin is self-centered. It's all about I. Son is about others. The O. Others. Son. Sons and daughters of God. And it takes practice. It takes time. It takes submitting to God. It takes admitting to God. Submitting and admitting. All right? It takes eating and drinking of the word. And when it points out a sin, don't shrink back. Confess it, God. Your word is right. I am wrong. I need you, Jesus. I need you to heal me. Every day, God shows me something about me. I thought I was fixed. I was I, I did. I thought when I got to Sydney Sinner's prayer, I was done. But the scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he says that if anybody be in Christ, he is a new creature. If there's that I word again. If if you abide in me, John 15. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. That means hangs out, stays, dwells, takes up camp. If it takes up camp in your heart, if that word abides in you, then you are my friends indeed, and you shall be fruitful. Let me read that because that's so much better the way he said it than I said it. John 15, if I can get there real quick. He says, I am the vine, my father is the husbandman. Every branch that is in me and bears not fruit is taken away. Ooh, you mean they can take stuff away? Oh, yeah. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. Oh, you mean there's a cutting away? Yeah, there's a cutting away. Oh, it hurts? Yes, it hurts. Is it for my good? Absolutely for my good. Why? So I can be more fruitful. All right. He says he prunes it. He says that it may bring forth much fruit. He says, now you are clean by the words which I've spoken to you. Now abide in me. And I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except that it abides in a vine. No more can you, except you abide in me. 
For I am the branch, I am the vine, you are the branches. Abide in me, and my words will abide in you. You shall be fruitful. Well, how do I abide? By staying out of sin. How do I stay out of sin? By confessing. If you will confess your sins, he is faithful and just to cleanse you, forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And then get back to that place. That's what he's talking about, the lukewarm church, Laodicean. Lukewarm is a mixing of both waters. Mixing of the world, mixing of the word. Got to have one. It takes time. It takes practice. It takes patience. God is at work in us, and it's not over till it's over. And we're not yet there because we are still here. Look at yourself. Pinch yourself. Go ahead. Do it. Just pinch yourself. If you feel that, you're still here. You're still here. You're not there. So God is still working on you. And it's okay. That's the point you got to see. It's okay because we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. That means he's doing the work. All you have to do is submit. God, I was wrong. Boy, that was stupid. Shouldn't have said that. Shouldn't have said I was going to pinch that guy's head off, Lord. I promise you I will not pinch his head off, but I wanted to pinch his head off. I said that last week to a guy. I said, man, I just want to pinch your head off, man. And they said, now I'm going to go have to pray and ask God to forgive me. But I recognized the sin as soon as it came up, the self-centeredness, the pride. As soon as it came in there, and of course I acted on it, I'm getting to the place where I'm better to not act on it first and then recognize it and then pray for it. I'm still working on that. So it's a process. And God's working it out in us. Romans 8, 28 says that all things. Everybody say all. So that means the bad. That's part of the all. So the, how about the kind of bad stuff? That's part of the all. The good stuff, that's part of the all. So all things work together. Every time I trip and stick my foot in my mouth, yep, that time too. Every time I say something unlovely and unkind, yep, that time too. It works together because what it does, it brings conviction to your heart so you recognize your sin and you confess it before the Father and it humbles you. You know what took down this kingdom that God built? Pride. And you know what? God will let you see your pride to humble you. Romans 8.28 says, but we are predestined to be like Him through these things that we walk through. That means we're already there finished. He sees that finished work. We're just jacked up right here in the middle of that right now. We're not there, we're not here, but we're not there either. Let's celebrate where we're not. <laughs> right? Everybody say, well, you need to take your tattoos off. Those remind me where God brought me from. Are you kidding me? That keeps me out of the pit. <laughs> Come on now. I spent a lot of time in that pit. Not good. No bueno for you Spanish-speaking folks. Nada. 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 Piquito. Nada. But God is rich in mercy. While I was yet in my sins, he sent forth his son, Jesus, to seek me out. He went after that one that went astray. That was me. That was you. You just don't want to admit it yet. <laughs> Do me a favor. 
when you look in the mirror, take off those rose-colored glasses and see yourself for who you really are. And then remember who you will be. Like him, First John 3. I'm going to turn it real quick because I want to quote it. See how fast I am. First, oh, look at right there. <laughs> Brethren, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called sons of God. Therefore, the world knew us not because it knew him not. Beloved, we are now. Now. Right now. Everybody say now. Now. Now, when I say sons, don't you girls get upset because there's, there's no... There's no male nor female in the kingdom of God. So when he's talking about sons, he's talking to including you. So just identify. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> he says, beloved, now are we sons of God? That's not a question. That's a quote. Now we are sons of God right now. And it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that has this hope purifies himself, even as he is pure. Does not yet appear what we shall be, Willis. But we are sons now. Right now, in your mess, in your misery, in your failures, in your fractures, you are sons. But it does not yet appear what you shall be. I don't want to hammer that home, but Ed, does not yet appear what you shall be. But you're a son right now. You grab a hold of that. And everybody out there that does not know Christ that God touches their heart. I don't care if they got a needle hanging out of their arm. It does not yet appear what they shall be. I don't care if they got a bottle in their mouth. I don't care if they're caught in the middle of adultery. God is the way maker. He is the life changer. He is the life giver. And he is our redeemer. Christ Jesus, my King. Amen. 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 Why don't you bow your head for a minute? Bow your head for a minute, everybody. You don't have to. <laughs> every head bowed and every eye closed. If you find yourself right now being that one you think you should be, raise your hand. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you find yourself struggling to be that man of God that you think you should be, raise your hand. <laughs> Are you tired of trying to do it yourself? Raise your hand. All right, I'm going to give you out right here. It's not your job. <laughs> It's God's job. He is the author 
and the perfecter of your faith. All you got to do is throw up the white flag and say, I surrender, Lord, your way, not mine. Heavenly Father, right now, Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ, and I pray for me too, Lord. Father, help us to be more Christ-like. Lord, help us decrease, Lord, by submitting ourselves to you. Lord, that you might increase in us. And Father, help us to be patient with the process that you walk us through. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor, come on. Amen. Thank you, Don. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah.